We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Fay. With me as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? The Nets might suck right now, Nick, but Joe Harris <laughs> is doing some uh, some very cool things. So there's solace in the uh, you know the the unfortunateness that is the Brooklyn Nets right now. Break down that Joe Harris play for us, Jack. What did you see? I know that's a big time play for you. Well, it is a huge time play for me, Nick. Now, normally we're we're used to seeing Joe Harris uh, grace us with buckets to plenty, but um, this time it was the defensive end where. Uh, he was up against uh, in a fast break opportunity, one on one against Draymond Green. Now you'd expect Draymond Green to uh, have a defensive highlight because that's what he's known for, but Draymond thinks he's got this dunk done and dusted. You know the Nets aren't known for their defense. Joe Harris is by no means a defensive stalwart and anchor, but he goes for the one-handed dunk, and Joe Harris just has the ball with him the entire way, and it's just like Draymond's like, wait, what was that? Who was that? That was a Brooklyn Nets player, and it was just—it just proves that Joe Harris is not only the goat of buckets, but he is the goat <laughs> of defense as well. Now it was a great play, and like you said, he—you know—Draymond was shook. Like he was like, "Who just blocked me?" Joe Harris timed that perfectly, got him on the peak of that dunk. So probably top top five highlight for him this season, top highlight for the Nets. But before we get started, just a reminder, you can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and now Dash Radio. But let's get started, Jack. Obviously, it's been another losing streak. You know, we don't need to talk specifically about the games, but in 2018, the Nets have been pretty disappointing. You know, January, I think around 6-10, and 10, but February, only one win. And March hasn't gone well, as he, gone well either. But for you, what has been the most disappointing aspect of this stretch? Like in terms of specific play, offense, defense, fast break, you know, what's been what's been the big issue for you? 
Yeah, one and nine, Nick, in our past 10, as you mentioned there. It's, it hasn't been a nice stretch for Nets fans. There's been, you know, minor highlights in terms of getting back Ronde and Karras. But in terms of the team play as a whole, the one thing that's been the most disappointing, when we've mentioned, you know, our, our wins, we always look best when our defense is locked in. But during that stretch uh, since the start of February, we've had the 28th worst defensive rating at 100, allowing 113.3 points per 100 possessions. Um, you know, only ahead of the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, not the best company to be in, but it, it shows that, you know, where we need to be engaged to get the Ws because uh, I think we uh, we don't have any defensive anchors, as, you know, we mentioned earlier when talking about Joe Harris. So our team defense really needs to be locked in. Um, whether D'Angelo Russell coming back in is affecting the lineup somewhat, the injuries, you know, the lack of Karis LeVert and, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson throughout that time, you know, they only sort of worked their way back in and, in the mid part of February. Um, so there's certainly, you know, is excuses somewhat, but at the same time, you know, the next man up sort of mentality works. Jared Allen has been good throughout that period, but, you know, we can't really have a rely on a rookie and maybe even a Damari Carroll, who's been pretty good for, for a lot of that as well. But it, it's, it sucks to say that our, our defense has been waning. Yeah. Our defense has been pretty bad. I mean, We've been bad in a lot of aspects. Like you mentioned, you know, bottom five in offensive rating, bottom five in net rating in 2018, true shooting percentage at 24th in the league in 2018, rebounding-wise not great, turnovers not great. We're shooting over 40% of our shots from three in 2018. All these stats are based in 2018. Also, we're forcing the least amount of turnovers in the league. Like you mentioned, the team defense, the activity on defense, I think is an issue. You know, like if you're not going to be good stopping your guy one-on-one, you need to be a good helping team. You know, you need to communicate, attack the ball a little bit, especially when you're playing small so much. You know, it's not like they have rim protectors. No, Rudy Gobert, Jared Allen's, you know, improving rookie, but he's the only rim protector the Nets have on the roster. Can't rely on him too much. As well, I feel like driving to the paint. You know, like I mentioned, shooting 40% of the attempts from three in 2018 is a large percentage. We need to attack the rim a little bit more. Obviously not great finishers all over the place with Laverne and Rondé being out, but still you need to find a way to attack. Yeah, and I think that's one thing where we look our best. We, we we harp on it when we have our wins. Our in and out game is when we look good because when you attack the paint, you create that extra space. Uh, I think a guy like a Spencer Dinnery, who I'm going to mention further in the podcast, is, is a guy that's sort of been settling a little bit. I think some of his teammates have been saying, um, and even the coaches have been saying, you know, he's sort of you know playing second fiddle a little bit to D'Angelo Russell, sort of like trying to see to him a little bit, sort of like what Russell, Russell Westbrook was doing with Paul George and Camilo Anthony early in the season. You know, Spencer and D'Lo have had time together, but obviously now they're sort of learning each other, playing together consistently at a high level because, you know, Spencer's game has improved so markedly and D'Lo's now working his way back into it and is hitting some nice form after a really good sort of game against the Golden State Warriors. So I think, yeah, the free throw attempts, I think, you know, the the lack of Rondo Hollis-Jefferson, who I harp on quite consistently, um, he's probably one of the best in the league at getting to the line. You mentioned uh, quite consistently as well, Nick, his herky-jerky body movement, his ability from the mid-range and then sort of using that sort of pump fake to sort of get to the line and get some easy buckets. You know, when we get to the line, we're good. We're, a, we're We have a solid percentage there. But it seems like, yeah, we do settle for the jumpers too much. And, you know, we're by no means, you know, um, Houston Rockets who aren't really, you know, we're, we're, in fact, we're not even the gold, we're not the Golden State Warriors. We don't have, you know, lights out shooters. Joe Harris and Alan Crabbe are great. But at the same time, you know, they don't, a lot of their shots are, these days are probably going to be quite contested because there just isn't the lack of spacing, as you sort of alluded to. Yeah, Jack, what do you think in terms of the three-point issues? Obviously, we mentioned the Nets shoot a large percentage of threes, and they don't make a large percentage of threes. Is that because of shooting talent or shot selection, in your opinion? 
I think it's a bit of both, Nick. I think D'Lo's certainly a guy that um sort of settles a bit um, and that has been said. I think it's just someone in his nature. And I think it's in a lot of guys' nature just to, to when we look best is when the ball moves a lot and you create that open shot. You know, we've versed some decent teams throughout this stretch and then we've also versed some not-so-decent teams but we've sort of played down to their level. I think, you know, the, the ball movement creates the open shot. And when the ball's moving, I mentioned this a heap of times, it's a lot harder to defend than when the ball's dribbling. And Dealer's a guy who likes to dribble it a little bit. Spence has been dribbling it a lot more rather than sort of, you know, getting the ball moving, getting the rack moving. Um, and I think, you know, we're sort of taking and settling for those shots. You know, Alan Krabs had his moments and his spurts. Joe, Har- Joe Harris is, you know, probably one of our better shooters. And he's been getting to the line a bit more. Um, his sort of game has been become a lot more well-rounded. But I think it's a combination of both. You know, you can force the shot the defense is obviously going to be there and you know obviously you know the true shooting percentage is reflective of the quality of shots you're taking so to be so low on that in that category shows that we're not getting to the free throw line enough we're taking the wrong shots and you know the space just isn't there you know we just talked about all these disappointing aspects you know the shooting the defense the shot selection the three-pointer what would you say if you had to rank three things that you want the nets to improve on from here on out for the final stretch of the season for me it's defense uh, for me, it's ball movement, and for me, it's just chemistry and chemistry as a team as a whole, chemistry and development. Um, a lot of these guys have been in and out of the lineups, and that doesn't really help. Um, I'd like to see just some consistency with our lineups. You know, consistency in minutes. You know, see those minutes go up a little bit for guys like D'Lo, uh, for guys like Rondé and Karras, and you know, Spencers can maintain it. I think that's just a key thing for me. I'm, I'm not worried about the wins and losses. We want to get that 30. It's looking less and less likely by the by, by the day. But at the same time, if we can, you know, play some decent defense. I think there was a period where we mentioned um, uh, we were like six in defense over uh, like a six-game stretch where we, were, where we were really good. And I think, you know, that's when the Nets look the best. That's where every team looks their best. That's what's taken the Houston Rockets from being a so-so, you know, sort of contender to being a legitimate contender to, against the Golden State Warriors. It's defense. It's defensive engagement. We don't necessarily have the pieces there. You know, we don't have a defensive store. We don't have a Rudy Gobert, like you mentioned. We don't have an Andre Robeson or a Paul George or a Kevin Durant. We, but we do have guys that are active enough and are switched on enough. And I think with a lot of that communication comes into to it as well. These guys need to, you know, be voice, be boisterous, and, you know, make sure that everyone's engaged and locked in on both ends of the floor and get that ball moving. Yeah, they definitely need to work more as a unit being lacking the defensive talent. Before I give you my picks, what do you think in terms of defense for, you know, this group of Nets? Do you think it's, you know, they need to add defensive talent to this team or guys need to develop and spend more energy and focus on the defensive side of the ball? It's going to be interesting to see how the Nets draft, Nick, and how how the free agency sort of process goes for us. You know, Dante Cunningham is a pickup that is the sort of guy that can do both on both ends. You know, I think... Sean Marks values guys that are, are well-rounded players and the way that we're developing guys these days, the emphasis has been on defense, defense, defense. Um, I think they mentioned that about D'Angelo Russell when he first came in, you know, at his first presser, they're like, we wanted to be good on defense. So I think that the, that's what the, the franchise as a whole is valuing right now. So I think it, it's going to be a bit of both. I think it's, it might be a cop-out to say, but I think right now we need to sort of internally develop what we have. Because you can only go with what you've got. And a lot of these guys are going to be kicking around for a year or two, at least. Um, you know, They might get new contracts. They might move on in free agency. But we have a very young core right now. And I think they're developing the sort of defensive tangibilities in terms of 
game knowledge and game awareness, but I think it's going to be have to be active and being engaged for 48 minutes. And that comes with experience, And but there's only so long you can use the sort of youth reason as a factor for declining success. Yeah, I mean, not to cop out like you as well, but I think you're right. I think they need to add some defensive talent, somebody who's coming in that's defensive-minded already. That could be a rookie, somebody who just really buys in, or it could be a veteran free agent or somebody along those lines. Nobody crazy or anything, but also development of some of the guys. I think one issue for the Nets in general, being such a young team, they just need to get stronger. You know, they're just kind of weak. You know, at some games they're soft, just a lot of the guys are undersized or they're just not used to the physical contact. For example, like, D'Angelo Russell's a 6'5 guard. You watch him sometimes on the floor, and it feels like he plays like he's 6'2 or something. Like, he doesn't use his size very much, and some of that just need to add weight to his frame. Same thing for Carrier, same thing for Jared Allen. I think, you know, a solid offseason of muscle could really help the Nets. Yeah, and I think we look at guys like Clint Capella who have grown yep, not only that's a good example. in physical stature. Steven Adams used to be a guy that I love the photos looking about him in the past you know, five years or so where he grew from being sort of this sort of Kiwi international who, you know, had some really great sort of energy and stuff. And now he's just an offensive beast in terms of his rebounding and his body as well. You know, he's a lot a can happen. He's an absolute monster, not only in, in his play, but in his just physical stature. And I think that comes with age. You know, generally these guys mature uh, most in, the, in terms of peak sort of, you know, fitness uh, and physique is at around, you know, that 25 to 27 range. Look what Damian Lillard's doing right now. I think that's something where D'Angelo Russell can aim for. Um, obviously, uh, Dame is you know a, a low-key, uh, smoky MVP contender right now. This dealer has a long way to go in that sense because even even, even Damian Lillard has really in, helped increase you know his defensive proficiency, where it gets to a point where it's almost helping his team as a whole. So I think Dealer needs to become more of a leader in that sense, and I think it's coming. I think you know he's becoming more uh, careful. He's becoming more you know poised. And I think, you know, all of this will happen with just natural development. We have a young team. Um, it's hard to preach patience in a sort of, you know, win now sort of instant gratification sort of league and, you know, the culture that we're in. But I think patience is going to be a virtue. Look what's going on with Philly right now. It took them years and years and years. They had the right people there. Sam Hinkie, obviously being taken over by Brian Colangelo. You got the right people there developing the, the youngsters and developing the squad and developing the culture. Then I think the results will eventually come. Patience, patience, patience. Yeah, no, I agree, Jack. I think that a lot of the players just need to develop. It's not going to happen overnight. You have to remember the Billy King trade with Celtics and how much that put the team back and just all the trades. So, I mean, I think D'Angelo's a guy you see flashes defensively even where he just needs to do it consistently. You know, a lot of his game is you see plenty of flashes. It's just about consistency, decision-making, things along those lines. But for me, the three things before we move on, um, I want to see more aggressive defense, you know, maybe attacking the offensive players a little bit more, trying to force those turnovers. You know, no reason playing small, they should average the, their opponent should average the least amount of turnovers in the league. So the Nets should pick up in that area. Like you said, ball movement, I think that's great. When the Nets are shooting threes, when they're not pulling up or dribbling, they look a lot better when it's, you know, catch and shoot situations, especially yeah. Joe Harris, Alan Crabb, D'Angelo Russell too. I've noticed a lot in his three point, three point attempts. When he pulls up, he misses a lot. But when he's already set in position, it seems like he's hitting them a lot more. And then probably attacking the rim. You know, I get the three-pointers in this mentality, in this NBA. I'm a huge spacing person. But I would say you need to attack the rim a little bit more, especially when teams are matching up with you small and they're not playing any centers and you're playing a, you know, a space lineup where you have guys all over the three-point line. Attack the rim. 
especially I think getting Karis LeVert and Rondé back will help that area. But, you know, guys like Alan Kravitz picked up in that area, Joe Harris, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Lo, I'd like to see them drive a little bit more. Yeah, it's certainly infectious. When you see other guys doing it, it becomes sort of second nature and, you know, it's sort of everyone buys into it. And I think that's with a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about. Ball movement's infectious. You know, the, the shooting is infectious. Everything about the game of basketball is a game of momentum and sort of, you know, game of runs, game of culture, game of all these sort of things. You know, it's a very, um, you know, up and down sort of game and, you know, very intangible game where, you know, you can't really put your finger on what's actually happening but you know something just happens out of nowhere whether it's you know you know the, the ball movement creates so many assists or you know you can go on a hot streak um it's it's one of those things where i think the nets just haven't really had the talent um you know we say that we we love a lot of the youngsters that we've got right now but in their terms of their infancy in terms of their experience in terms of who they're coming up against you know we're coming up against some really sort of formidable teams and i think the nets as a whole this is sort of the first year as an as a squad, but we've looked somewhat settled. So, and a lot of the guys have been injured at the same time. So I think development and chemistry, uh, as we mentioned, is, is going to be a key cog going forward. Yeah, development for the franchise in general, lacking that high lottery pick, obviously getting D'Angelo Russell, but, you know, developing guys like Harris LeVert and Jared Allen, who you draft in the 20s, obviously probably another late first round pick this year. Maybe they'll grab another one, who knows? But moving on from there, who's been the most disappointing player in this stretch in 2018? Who's been the guy that you think could step up and needs to play better for the Nets to come out with a come out more confident to finish the season? Yeah, look, I'm I'm going to preface this with a positive, as they say, the positive negative sandwich. Um, you know, <laughs> put a, so I'm going to start with my dude and the guy we love more than any, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Andy Bailey put out a nice little tweet via NBA Math that he leads the in our team and wins over replacement players. So when he's on the floor, we play like a 36 win team. When he's off it. We'll play like a 27-win team. But the, just recently, we talked about in terms of free throw attempts. Um, you know, that's gone down exponentially for him, you know, in February. I think in terms of last month, he had 60 in, in January, he had 69 free throw attempts in 16 games. In 10 games in February, he's only had 38. So the average of four and a half, five in January has gone down to, you know, three, barely four. So I think that's one thing for Spencer. And we mentioned... I think there was a game uh, recently, a few games ago, where his shooting was, you know, certainly down, but he was able to get to the line and affect the game in that way and sort of open up the... And we know Spencer's probably... is literally the player in the league who gets the least amount of calls from the referees. We talked about that article. But I think he's starting to sort of get the kudos he deserves. I think he needs to stay engaged in terms of being able to just use... He's got some moves there. He can get into the lane, you know, whether it's finding a Jared Allen or creating a shot for himself. He's really crafty around that. You know, that game winner against, you know, uh, the Detroit Pistons, he was up against two defenders, including Andre Drummond, who was an absolute beast. So I think he, he needs to sort of stop settling as well. You know, his true shooting percentage uh, in February has been the worst um, of the year, apart from in November. You know, it was just above that 50% mark. And I think that's reflective of not being able to get to the line as much. So uh, there's certainly room for growth and his assist numbers are up. Um, they've been great. And I think, you know, he's starting to get a nice little chemistry with uh, D'Lo. And I think, you know, he's still going to, you know, have his ups and downs. Um, and he obviously is going to occasionally take the bad shot. But if he can get to the line a little bit more, get some easy buckets, as we've harped on, then that's going to help his game in terms of spacing and, and you know, getting that pull-up shot. It's going to make it look a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Spencer could improve in terms of attacking the rim a little bit more, kind of get rid of that pull-up three, especially in early in the shot clock. 
I think Kenny's mentioned something about that as well. But, you know, Spencer's been great. Some of it also is Lavert and Rondé going out and D'Angelo coming back, kind of adjust to him. But just like to see him be more confident and drive the lane a little bit more. Also, um, other than that, you know, D'Angelo was kind of rough coming back from that stretch, but now he's starting to kind of find his groove. I think both the guys, like including D'Lo and Spencer, I think they both should spend a little bit more time driving. Both guys have great pump fake games, especially D'Angelo. I like to see him be a little bit like James Harden in a sense to kind of yeah. drive to the lane and kind of get the calls. Like he has a fake game that can really get people out of control. He just has to be willing to take the contact and, you know, consistently do it. You're not going to get every call. Like I've always said, like, for D'Angelo, I'm not saying I want him to be James Harden or he's going to be James Harden, but you should really study Harden's game in like a C.J. McCollum, you know. Yep. And I think one thing he could do that would help him to be more like Harden would be add some muscle, like I mentioned earlier. Add some strength to him. He's got a big frame. Put some muscle on there. He's already crafty as hell. Give him some strength. You'll see a ton of and ones. Yeah, he has a high IQ like a James Harden. So he's he's already got the intellect there, the basketball intellect. And the vision is, oof. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's really clever. He's really he's really smart in terms of you know his nous on the court. You know his basketball IQ is is second to none. But I think he's just sort of learning himself and you know learning ha- what works best for him and you know developing his own skill set. And I think coaching is certainly helping that because you know what we saw in Los Angeles, he had his his moments in spurts, but you know he didn't fit there. There was a nice piece. Uh, that I, I highly recommend everyone check out that I've got saved as well. A uh, piece by Mark Spears sort of profiling D'Angelo Russell and oh, yeah. how, how he's bought in completely to, to the Brooklyn franchise and New York as a whole. And I think, you know, going into the future, the, just to have that mindset already uh, that he's in he's in for the long haul is a great sign. Um, I think having a guy like Damari Carroll around him as well, sort of teaching him um, because Damari, you know, he's a, a vet and, you know, he's nice and solid as well, Damari. So, you know, hopefully they, they hit the gym up a couple of times together, you know, make sure Karis jumps in with them and, and Jared, you know, do some late night gym sessions as we saw that they were doing, um, you know, in the in the preseason too. Yeah, that was a good piece. Uh, by, like you said, undefeated, you know, I didn't, I read it quickly, but D'Angelo said he wants to leave his legacy in Brooklyn. I think that's something important. And obviously, like you mentioned, just the ability that he has in the future with the Nets could be really nice. Um, other than that, I think uh, one thing that drives me nuts lately is like Rondé's been jumping on a ton of pump fakes. He needs to be a little bit more disciplined. And that's something I think he can improve on. Karis LeVert sometimes, he makes bad decisions defensively. Like he'll go under a screen where he should have probably went, you know, over. It'll be like a shooter or some situation or he'll get caught up real bad. Same thing, you know, with some of the other nets. I think just being more disciplined defensively too. Yeah, I think discipline comes with communication as well. Whether yep. one day's out there with guys that are sort of, you know, telling him, come on, you know, switch on a little bit there. I think he's still finding his feet. Um, he mentioned, you know, coming off the bench, he has no qualms with. I think he's a really sort of team first guy. You know, he's a leader of sorts, um, which is uh, crazy to say for a guy that's only 22 years old. But, you know, he's one of the few remaining guys from the Billy King era. And I'm glad that he's there because, you know, he's got some, uh, his basketball uh, defensive uh, prowess is quite good, but you know he could be a bit sloppy at times. But I'd rather him, you know, be sloppy and learn from those mistakes than you know not try it at all. Because you learn from your mistakes, whether that's in you know in life in general, not getting all philosophical about it, but in basketball, <laughs> in basketball especially, I think that's a, a key component. I think the the Nets culture as a whole right now is sort of you know really encouraging learning from those mistakes, not you know dw- dwelling on them and dwindling. On the fact that you know 
this happens. Oh, it's it, you know you can't make the mistake again. We we harped on you know the piece earlier in the year about uh, Rondo that I wrote, sort of saying how his mentality has changed, and I think that whole mentality of the net squad has changed in terms of just being able to go play by play, and I think you know uh, that reflects not only in terms of you know leaving it behind but also staying engaged you know for, for a full 48 minutes it's been very rare this season that we've you know had a really good 48 minute performance you know some of them have resulted in really close losses uh, but I think you know the process has been there and the progress has been shown um, I just want to see you know more consistently um, consistency always breeds success so hopefully we can get that sooner yeah exactly that's the thing with young players you're just looking for that consistency what are your thoughts on Rondé in terms of the Nets' future? Is he somebody you see as a starter, or is he somebody you see more as a bench piece? Or it, is he somebody the Nets trade? Look, it's it's hard to to forecast without knowing who the Nets are sort of going to be going after in free agency. Um, if we legitimate, I think legitimately we need a stretch four. Um, if you're gonna, if Jared Allen's your foundational five, which he is, and I think that's a given, and he's shown that this season in terms of you know his play. Now, Jared Allen isn't going to become a, a, a Carl Anthony Towns in terms of his shooting from the outside. He, he's just, it's not something that's, he's something he's learning from scratch. Um, even his free throw shooting is something that has been learned from scratch and he's been exponentially better than any of us could have imagined. So I think that's one thing that we need, a stretch for. Now, Rondé, he's shown, you know, many, 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 many glimpses of being able to shoot that shot from the perimeter. But I think that's probably going to be his key thing in the offseason that he's going to be working on. If he can come back next season with a you know 33 to 35% three-point shot, then that makes his game so much even more well-rounded that it, it, it just takes it to a new level because the stretch four position is what makes is going to make or break the nets going forward. You know, whether we draft the guy in that position with um, our first our first round pick that we got via Toronto or even one of our later picks or we pick up a guy. Like you look at it or even whether we start playing smaller lineups with guys like Joe Harris and Ellen Crabb and, and Damari Carroll. It depends. I like Ronde as a starter in terms of right now, just sort of you know playing all the young guys, playing Ronde alongside Jared Allen, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell and Carol Levert. There's not a heap of spacing there in terms of the ability to shoot the three, but I'd rather than give them that encouragement and sort of see how it works. Experimentation, you know, there's nothing that can be really lost and, and everything that can be gained from this. I think his future is probably at as as a low low end starter, but he has the potential to be a higher end starter. Certainly not an all star, but uh, he, right now he's coming off the bench and he's doing some nice things. So there's certainly uh, you could argue for any of those. I reckon, Nick. What about you? Um, you know. I think, like you said, the three-point ball will be to, you know, determine if he's a starter or not, I think, you know, because just offensively, unless he can really, like, continue to really tune his game up, which he did in the offseason, but like you mentioned before, he's a little bit out of control sometimes. I kind of just like him as a really high-energy guy you bring off the bench, you know, just because of that defensive ability he has, and then, you know, you can start him once in a while, or probably low-end starter, unless he can add the three-ball. You know, if he could add the three-ball and he can kind of tune up his dribbling where he can actually play, make and handle the ball in like a pick and roll type situation. He would be, you know, a different type of player, but that's a lot of to add to his game. If he could do something like that, it'd be huge. So I'm not ruling out the possibility of a starter. I think most likely though, high end bench player. Yeah. I'll probably feel that. I think the stretch, like you mentioned, drafting a stretch for like, I think a, a great shooter at the four position next to Jared Allen would be amazing. It would be such a tough defend with the way Jared Allen can finish the oop. 
and the playmakers the Nets have at the passing positions and Karis Avert, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jeremy Lin when he's healthy, like all guys that can make the pass to the corner. You have Jared Allen rolling to the rim. It's a tough defense, especially you have, you know, Allen Crabb, Joe Harris, Damari Carroll, who are all good three-point shooters. So yeah, it definitely it can work it, out nice. It, it, it makes the most sense. You look at what's going on in Houston right now in terms of that's sort of like what the the Brooklyn Nets are right now. We're sort of a light version of that. Um, we're like the Roku to the Amazon and the, and the Netflix version <laughs> of, of, of what the Houston Rockets are in terms of we're trying to emulate them, but we just don't have the capabilities right now. They've got all the, the vet guys that have been around the league. They know what to do. They're making their shots. You know, they're certainly the supercharged version of it. Um, you know, they're Amazon Prime in, in that sense. They're, they're getting... 50% of the shots from, from the perimeter and they're making, you know, a, a huge amount of them. But I think the Nets just don't have the the cattle right now to to be, to implement uh, a, a sort of system in, in the same way. We sort of have to play within our, our confinements and within our sort of limits. But I think, you know, as time goes on, I think I've liked the Coach Kenny's experimentation and his tactics throughout the year. So I think, you know, we're, we're seeing development not only from the players, but also the coaching staff. Yeah, and I mean, people get so mad about Kenny and, like, his rotations and stuff. Like, there really hasn't been many, like, rotations and lineups that have done amazing where it's like, wow, you need to play these guys together. You know what I mean? There hasn't been anything where you're like, oh, my God, like, you know, this is our closing lineup. Like, we've talked about different closing lineups probably four or five times this season that we've liked. Yeah. So it, it changes a lot. But um, before we get out of here, Jack, who do you want to see get some more minutes? You know, who are some guys you want to see pick up some more minutes the rest of the season? Yeah, so these guys are, uh, are an absolute given, Nick. So I'm going Rondé, Allen, and Karras. Now, we saw a stretch for Jared Allen where he was getting, you know, some mid-20s. He hit some a, a couple of 30s and some late 20s. But, you know, his last uh, couple of games, he's only had 17 minutes and 20 minutes. Now, whether that's due to the fact that he's been, you know, a, a bit lethargic, his energy, he's hit the rookie wall, as they like to say, with a lot of guys. But at the same time, you know, there's no point why he shouldn't be out there. You know, he's, he's a key cog in terms of our, a, a building block for the future. And, and I can't see why he wouldn't be uh, getting, you know, anywhere upwards of 25 minutes plus. Um, that's when he looks his best and, you know, giving him that confidence that you can be out there, whether it's in the closing or at the start in the starting lineup. Uh, I want to see him getting some nice minutes. Karras' minutes uh, since he's gotten back, you know, he's had 21, 18, 19. You know, a 29-minute performance against the Clippers and then 24. Um, I, I think him averaging 26 to 28 minutes is going to be the right range for him for the final sort of 15, 20 games. And I think that makes the most sense um, coming off the bench, being a real sort of our, our best six man um, and sort of staggering the minutes with their sort of three key guards, you know, whether it's, you know, D'Lo and, 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 and Karras at the same time or, or Spencer with, with Karras or, or Karras just running it by himself with a guy like Jared Allen. And then obviously Ronnie Holtz Jefferson, his minutes, Apart from uh, one other sort of similar to Karras, that 31-minute performance against the Clippers, he's had 24, 21, 20, and 21. So I think, yeah, his minutes, you know, we saw earlier in the season where his defense was really locked in. He was average, he was getting minutes upwards of 35. So I think once his defense, you know, gets really locked in, the coaches see that from him, we're certainly going to be seeing uh, some easy 30-minute uh, performances from uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Yeah, I think um, definitely Karras. Like, I want to see Karras play probably 30 minutes a game. Like, I think offensively and defensively, he provides a lot of versatility. And a lot of the players the Nets play at the wing position, they can't do quite as much as Karras can. And most of the time when D'Lo and Spencer Dinwiddie are out there, 
I think some people have mentioned like the chemistry isn't fully there. If you put Karras with either of them, he doesn't necessarily need the ball, but he can also run the show of, you know, you need a break. And you yeah. can kind of take the pressure off you. You're getting hit with a lot of double teams. Where so Spencer and D'Angelo sometimes, it looks like they're taking turns or like or you take care of this possession or like, you know, it just doesn't look fully in sync where you see a little bit more chemistry with Karras and the with Karras and Dinwiddie and Karras and D'Lo. So I think Karras is a guy. And then defensively, he's really one of the only guys that can really get after somebody on the perimeter and go after them and kind of force those steals and force that energy. So and I, you want to see what he can do. You know, you got to make a decision too. Is you know, is he your two guard of the future? You know, is he the guy you're pairing with D'Angelo or what? Like personally, I think he can be that guy, but obviously, you want to get him as many reps as possible. Like we mentioned on the show a lot, Karras had a lot of injuries in college, so he didn't play a ton of basketball. Getting him these minutes, this experience now will be huge. Also, Jared Allen, like you said, this is where I think it gets a little interesting. Is the fact that I would say that Jared Allen and Rondé both play better when the other one's not on the floor. In terms of spacing, you know, when Jared Allen's playing with Damari Carroll at the four, it definitely spaces the floor a lot more and gives him the opportunity to catch an oop. Where Rondé's out there, you know, a guy can cheat off. They're not really super scared. Obviously, Rondé's improving the mid-range, but I think that's something that's like maybe you play one guy big minutes one game, then play the other guy big minutes the other game. Also, shout out to Dante Cunningham, who's been great for the Nets off the bench in that yeah, trade. Yeah, it's been awesome. Who's been was just kind of like a throw-in salary dump type of move, so that worked out great for the Nets. So. I mean, D'Angelo, too. I think even if D'Angelo is making mistakes late in the game, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but, um, you know, the Nets are, are going to win 20-something games. Like, who cares if he makes mistakes late in the game and they lose the game? It's better yes. he learns now than when the Nets are trying to fight for the playoffs and, you know, in the 40-win range, and it's a playoff race. So who cares? So play the young guys. Like, I want to – like, I think at this point, like we're like you said, you know, we're probably not going to get 30 wins. So why not just, like, play the young guys and see what happens, especially in the clutch time? Yeah, and I mean, you know, experiment. You know, throw out lineups with it with Dinwiddie, Karras, and uh, and 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 D'Angelo. You know, where you yeah, I want to see that. I want to see that. See all three of them out there. Karras has the ability. They've all got length. They can all defend. You know, different positions. You know, why not throw it out there? Throw out like all shooting lineups with Dinwiddie, Crab, Carroll, Harrison, Cunningham. You know, get weird with it. There's no point why. You know, you can't really experiment with these sort of lineups. You know, you could replace Harris or Cunningham in that lineup, you know, with a Jared Allen and, you know, shred him with four guys who are capable of shooting from the perimeter and just let him be sort of the vertical space of the Clint Capella. Um, and I think, you know, there's no reason why I think Coach Kenny won't. You know, there's times where he can be a bit timid uh, in terms of some of his tactics, but I think he's going to realize with these sort of final 15 or 20 games that, you know, he's going to try and develop some good habits for the players going into the postseason and going into the pre next year's preseason, um, but I think you know there's there's plenty of time to sort of still you know hopefully you know get get a few more Ws, make that pick a little bit worse, and you know hopefully we we climb up a few spots in the standings. Yeah, honestly, it just carry play good basketball, good momentum. You know, even getting like the loss to Golden State last night. You know, they did get a pretty bad, uh, pretty big lead in the fourth quarter. But you know, in other parts of that game, they shown flashes. They competed with Golden State. Not much more you can ask for against a good team like that. Some of the, you know, mediocre to bad teams they face, you know, maybe they can pull out a couple Ws. It's all about playing good basketball, carrying that momentum. You know, like we mentioned before, some of the keys, ball movement, defense, attacking the rim, chemistry. But that wraps it up for today. Jack, thank you for hopping on. As always, thank everybody for listening. You can check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, and now Dash Radio. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.